and it's a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintram. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right, let's jump right in. We had uh, it's kind of a slow news week this week, but we still have a few bits of pieces of information that are worth discussing, and then. As usual, we're going to get to your comments and questions, so make sure to put them uh, in the comment section right now, whether you're on Facebook, uh, YouTube, or wherever you're watching live. Uh, if you can put question in all cap before a question or a specific subject you want us to discuss, that would be appreciated. makes it easier to sparse to your comments. All right, let's start in with uh, a little exclusive we had this week. Uh, we found out a new, uh, we uncovered a new trademark that Tesla filed. So these don't happen too often. Uh, Tesla, uh, every now and again, they uh, either file a new trademark for like something like um, Megapack, for example, or they use their current trademarks like Tesla and the Tesla logo, and they expand the use of it to new categories. And those new categories can tell you, oh, Tesla is looking to expand in a different product. In, in, in this case here, um, we're, we're talking about the product with audio equipment. So... Uh, the, I'm going to read the full category because it's kind of a wide-ranging category. It's called um, microphones, headphones, earphones, digital audio players, sound transmitting apparatus, audio speakers, subwoofer, ear pads for earphones, audio interfaces, audio equalizer apparatus, horns for loudspeakers, and megaphones. <laughs> so it could be literally any of those. Uh Now, the, the big question is, of course, like Tesla has some speakers in its car, some audio transmitting apparatus in its cars. Um, so it could be literally just that. However, if it's just that, I don't know why Tesla would need to apply for a trademark for those because those are just used internally. So Tesla is not trying to, to sell them. It's not marketing them. Uh, maybe they need it just to brand them because, of course, Um, speakers inside cars are either not branded or branded of, of a supplier. Like if you go like to a premium Audi or something, you're going to have a Bang and a Halfenson on, on it. Uh, so they have the trademark for that. Audi can use it inside its cars. But uh, for Tesla, using its own speaker and its own cars, I don't know if that, that would be the goal here. So there is a chance. I don't know. I don't want to put a percentage uh, chance on it, but there is a chance that it's... Uh, Uh, it, it's to make one of those products that I just listed, uh, whether it would be uh, headphones or whether it would be uh, speakers. Again, not just for vehicles. I mean, like speakers, like uh, for for your house or something. Possibility, like it's it's definitely not something that works with Tesla's mission to accelerate the advent of electric transport and renewable energy. But we've seen Tesla have a, a real focus with music uh, in the past. I don't know. I'm sure you remember when Tesla was talking about making its own music streaming service. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to bring that up. There's there's definitely a, a big interest there with Tesla. A big interest. And there was also some development on that front. Mm. We, we Tesla had developed some some uh, interfaces uh, to put inside its vehicles and uh, its uh, Tesla app. We reported on that back in 2017 when the, some of the code leaked. But, of course, in, that was in 2017, and nothing came to it over the last few years. But Tesla has put a big focus uh, for the audio experience inside its vehicles since. I uh, remember back when the Model 3 came out, and uh, it would, the audio system in, in the vehicle was uh, very well received, especially by audiophiles, people that are really into that stuff. And... Um, Uh, Elon mentioned that uh, Tesla has a lot of audio engineers from Bang and Olfensen because a lot of people, uh, a lot of audio fields was like, hey, this is 
a, a system similar to what is a ten thousand dollar upgrade in some premium vehicles, but this is included in a forty. Well, back then it was a forty thousand dollar car, now it's the forty five thousand dollar car. So uh, people were really happy about that. And uh, Elon said, yeah, that Tesla's audio engineers are coming from Beg and Olfensen and some other companies too. And the, the system is highly programmable, and it's going to keep improving with new uh, over the air codex updates. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I while I was researching the whole thing, I also did a quick uh, research into Tesla's audio teams. And sure, the lead audio engineer at Tesla, Marcus Car, uh, is uh, spent uh, over a decade at both Harman, which well known as a uh, audio suppliers for uh, automakers, uh, also some consumer products, I assume. And uh, and Bang Bang and Olf, Hol, Holofsen. I, I keep saying that name, and I feel like I'm losing it every time. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, but more recently, they hired a bunch of people, uh, like a bunch from both company from Jawbone, another well-known uh, speaker yep. company, and uh, Amazon Lab One Two Six, who's uh, have a big audio team for the Echo speakers that they do. And we know that Tesla is uh, this is a, a thing that Elon has signaled quite a few times, where Tesla wants to improve the um, not just the audio on the, on the on the sounds part, but also on the microphone part, and and getting the audio to uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, to to talk to the car. Like the, the um, <laughs> I'm losing my you, words. You talking about the the microphone or the, the voice commands? The one the voice, voice commands. commands. Like voice commands is like Elon has been saying that any input is an error basically and right. th- so the car for the most part should just know already what you want to do and do it but other than that like oh, we know Tesla is uh, not being on buttons anything like that there's a touch screen there's a force touch buttons on the steering wheel but for the most part the car should already know and if it doesn't know you should be able to just tell it uh, but we know that that's that's not always ideal like uh, I, in, in English it works very well but it, if a guy like me that has an accent in English it's already a problem uh, the French version is not also perfect either these of course this let us not spend more time on the on the english version but is there two french versions a, a quebec version and a france version a I, I, yeah, version yes uh, i mean i don't know for this for the voice comments if the if it makes a difference but i know for like there's a french canadian version of uh, the um uh of the controls inside the car, and gotcha. there's one in France because the one in France was available way before they made the French Canadian version for Canada. Right. Um, they adapted it, but of course, it's extremely similar anyway. So I don't know for the voice command if they can take into account the different accent because a lot of the services does. Like if you go like uh, Google Assistant, you go to Siri, you go to those uh, those services. They they make the difference between a French accent and French Canadian. Um, also, even if you you use it in English and you have an accent in English. Uh, it, it will adapt to your your way of speaking and improve from that. So Tesla has a lot of work to do on that front to make the voice come in good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It could it could be something completely related to their vehicles, or it could be brand new consumer product where like Tesla believes that it has the best audio experience inside the car, and they think they can replicate that in the in in speakers for for your home. I truly don't know. Yeah, I mean, we've talked in the past about how, like, Tesla's, like, if you think about big uh, consumer operating systems, Tesla now has, you know, a million cars on the road. So they've gotten a million users of their OS. They could theoretically, you know, rip that tablet right off the, the dashboard and, and turn it into a, you know, a consumer 
uh, operating system. I don't know if I would pick that over an iPad necessarily, <laughs> but uh, you know they're they're kind of most of the way there. So it would be it'll be interesting to see what they do. It might it might also be for like one of their silly like you know uh, tequila products or you know whistles or whatever. Could- yeah, that's a real possibility too because we know we know Tesla's um, merch store like the high gross margin products. Right. <laughs> and if there ever was a high gross margin product, that's uh, that's headphones. So uh, it would make sense that those ends up on the on the merch store at some point. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to shift to something a little bit more serious. One of the big milestones we're expecting from Tesla this year is uh, the start of Model Y production at Gigafactory Texas. This week, a bunch of Model Y, brand new Model Y, were spotted at the charging station at the Tesla Gigafactory Texas. So the speculation is that they were made there, to which degree we don't know. Um, but this morning, we just had a nice little exclusive where uh, sources, reliable sources, familiar with the matter, gave us a little bit more insight into the current goals to not only achieve production at the Gigafactory Texas, but to deliver, to have the first cars ready for deliveries uh, from Gigafactory Texas. And uh, what we are hearing right now from uh, serious sources is that Tesla is aiming to deliver the first few Model Y built at Gigafactory Texas towards the end of the quarter, so mid to end of March. Uh, But we are talking about a relatively low volume of production here. So it's going to be the first few cars being delivered. So the first, the the cars that we've been seeing over the last few weeks, the the Model Y bodies and the full vehicles now that we're charging everything, those are apparently test runs uh, for the production lines. Um, One source just also told me that this is significantly ramping up the uh, hiring of a production associate at Gigafactory Texas, so that's our normally a good sign that Tesla is moving to uh, is preparing for uh, to move towards volume production because those production associate is the number one position at the uh, factory floor. That they are they are the the workers, they are the the people that get things done. And uh, you, when you achieve volume production, you need a lot of them. So for the, the the beginning of production, you need a lot fewer of them. You need a lot more engineers and people like working on the robots and uh, smoothing out the production line. And then when things ramp up, you need those workers to just move things around and get things done. So yeah, right now it's uh it's still a few months behind the schedule. We of course Tesla has often mentioned by the end of 2021, they ha- since the end of 21 has come, they haven't really updated the timeline. We expect next week to have an update on that with the earnings and Elon saying that there's going to be a, a production, a product roadmap update during the earnings. So the Model Y at both uh, Texas, Gifford, Texas and Gifford in Berlin are expected to be among those uh, well, I, product update roadmap timeline updates, I should say. But uh, now we're looking at end of March for the first few Model Ys. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be a way yet for uh, customers who have Model Ys on order right now to know whether or not their Model Ys are going to come from Gigafactory Texas or Fremont Factory. Uh, of course, the significance of that is uh, whether you're going to get the new version of the Model Y with a structural battery pack or not. It doesn't change that much on the consumer front, but we do expect some things to be updated in terms of... Uh, uh, range and and maybe even longevity of the battery pack, uh, maybe even charge rate of the battery pack. So th- there's there's a f- quite a few things that could change there. Uh, of course, we don't we won't have the details until the vehicle launch. Tesla doesn't like to do that because 
if it is better, you, can, you just created yourself a whole lot of headaches because we know Tesla has a quite a backlog on the Model Y. So a lot of people are going to try to weasel their way into IA, trying to make sure they get the Gigafactory one and not the Fremont one. So if if you were a Model Y buyer, would you want one of the first ones off the that's Factory. a good point. That's a good point. So there, there is a, a, a trade-off, maybe in terms of uh, the quality. But you want you want that one unibody, not unibody, but I, I'm, it's a good question. It's a fair question. I, I don't know if, which one I would go with. So maybe, maybe they're going to be fine because of that. Maybe they just, all right, I'm going to go with the proven version at Fremont Factory that's been going well for for a few years now. Except uh, instead of the new ones. But I think, especially if you're like a second-time buyer, some of like this the Tesla fans that have uh, they're not on their first Tesla, they're gonna want the the latest the latest product, of course. And also, if there are issues with them, like you're still on warranty, Tesla's gonna fix them. And then your your idea is that you can maybe go through some early pains in order to get the better version of the car long term. I don't I don't know. I don't know what people think these days when it comes to this. Like it's a it's a trade off. All right, last week we spent a lot of time discussing the heat pump issue uh, in the cold weather that's uh, that's happening right now uh, throughout the U.S. and Canada and uh, some parts of Europe, too, that are getting some record cold weather. I know this week was particularly rough, so we shoot, we, used a, we used a news item as kind of a warning to be careful out there. But um, so we, we were discussing whether it would be a software issue, whether it would be a hardware issue, and if what we're hearing for customers that are having to replace the manifold and the uh, octovalve and e-pump system, that maybe the hardware issue is due to a prolonged software issue that, if unaddressed, leads to breaking the hardware. It's 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 unclear, but if you're listening to Tesla or Elon Musk in particular, because that announcement came from Elon, uh, is that there is a software fix to it. So this week, Elon said that it was a high-priority issue at Tesla, and this weekend, the automakers started rolling out a new software, uh, which I'm quoting Elon here, firmware fix to recalibrate heat pump expansion valve is rolling out now. So uh, we were talking about the air intake, the we're calling it the flap at that, at that point, but I assume that's what he's calling, calling it, talking about the, the valve. If... Uh, um, there, there would be some heist buildup there that would uh, trigger a, a problem with the valve, which would then shut down the heat pump. Now, I don't know, recalibrate the valve expansion if if that solved the problem in the first place, so it's just, it, it won't exacerbate the problem if there is a heist buildup. The, the issue is still not clear. But uh, Tesla is addressing it with a software update right now. But if uh, if anyone has been experiencing this issue and they get the software update, uh, we would appreciate your feedback, whether it has a good impact or not. Um, but we, again, we have seen plenty of reports from owners where they have to change their whole heat pump to actual hardware. So something to keep in mind. All right, this uh, this was an interesting announcement. Like uh, a lot of the news this way the, these days about Tesla comes from Elon on Twitter. A lot of like replies, but this wasn't a reply. This was kind of an announcement that he made on Twitter. Uh, so, it, and it's an announcement that kind of plays into this narrative for the last few years that Elon has been pushing of Tesla uh, being kind of an AI company, kind of a robot, robotic company. Uh, but we're talking about narrow AI, like a self-driving cars AI. That's a narrow AI. 
Uh, we've been talking about Tesla Bot, which is a little bit less narrow, but still technically a narrow AI. Uh, the there's a big distinction between that, which is most of artificial, all of artificial implementation today is narrow AI, but there is this idea of artificial general intelligence of AGI, which uh, is a true intelligence that is artificial, like that that just is um, complete. Uh, that is not meant for a specific purpose, but could you could throw anything at it and it would address it uh, as best of its capability, which would be immense. Uh, as you can imagine, if it's connected to the internet, for example, it just has all of the world's knowledge and can uh, assess it and solve any problem that's should added using all that knowledge. And there's controversy around that. I mean, Elon himself has been on the side of we need to be careful in developing an artificial general intelligence. Uh, there's uh, there's some moral uh, issues to that. There's um, issues to survival of humanity, really, because we could become irrelevant if uh, uh, AGI um, happens. But now uh, he, he announced on Twitter this week that Tesla AI might play a role in AGI, uh, given that it trains against the outside world, especially with the advent of Optimus. Uh, Optimus is the nickname, uh, or Optimus Subprime is the nickname <laughs> that uh, Elon gave to the Tesla bot project. So this is this is a, a step again. The, you, you need to approach this in a way of to an analysis of Elon's communication on, on Twitter. So he's still being careful, like might play a role. This is still vague, but it, it, it play, you need to take it within the context of him kind of um, just, just slowly, but surely introducing this idea that Tesla is not a, a, an automaker or even a tech company. It's an AI and robot company and all the cars on, on the road are, just robots on wheels. Uh, and Iman has said multiple times too that Tesla has the best AI team out there. And and the, the whole Tesla AI deal last year was about recruiting uh, recruiting artificial intelligence researcher and, and scientists. So and apparently they've been successful with that. Uh, Tesla shared earlier uh, last month they share this uh, the application that they had from their AI team after AI Day, and uh, indeed it's uh, it blew up. So it's interesting on that front, and not just, of course, like it, it to me, to me it looked like Tesla Bot was just kind of um, a way to get people in the door. Like this is super recruiting exciting, yeah. a, a, recruit, a recruiting tool. Yeah, it, it gets exciting. Like oh, I can literally get to work on the humanoid robot. This is awesome. But then you you end up accepting the position at Tesla, and then you end up working mostly on self driving and everything. And then like maybe you get. Uh, tiny percentage of your time on the Tesla bot project. But slowly but surely, it looks like Tesla is indeed um, putting some more attention on the Tesla bot. And and the more, like, you cannot just put the Tesla self-driving AI into a Tesla bot and expect it to be useful. <laughs> like, maybe maybe you can navigate around and not bump into things too much. But <laughs> and that's, that's probably the future, because right now it would probably be uh, hitting the door corners and whatnot. <laughs> but... It, for for the most part, it would just navigate the world around it. It wouldn't be uh, able to understand information that you gave it. It would be able to act on that information uh, smartly under the getting to a location. Like because that's what the robot, the Tesla robot on the wheel does. You 
give it a, a, um, a point in a map and it's going to try to get there trying to follow the rules of the road as best as it can. And we know that it, it's not doing it perfectly. It's doing it quite impressively in some cases, but uh, there's still quite a lot of weaknesses. So putting that into a robot, it, um, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, it's, it's there's fewer roads to a, to a pedestrian, especially within a private area, like uh, walking around your house. But at the same time, like one of the rules, need a, it needs to be don't walk over the kids, don't walk over right. the dogs, don't walk over, like don't, don't if you need, yeah, don't don't kill anything, don't break anything. So it, it's a complex issue. But at the same time, Elon has some good point. Like they have the Dojo project, which has an incredible capacity to train neural nets, and it's going to be the similar thing. It's going to be training neural nets for a different environment. Like Elon said in the tweet, it's training against the outside world, uh, which that's a fair point. That's what Tesla vehicles are doing. It's what Tesla bots going to have to do. I mean, AGI though, like general intelligence, mm-hmm. artificial general intelligence, is like kind of the holy grail. I, I feel like he's mm-hmm maybe it's too late taking it too lightly. Like if somebody gets to AGI, whether it's Google or Tesla or somebody we don't know Mm -hmm. about that, like that's basically at the point where the, the artificial, artificial intelligence can start getting itself smarter. Mm -hmm. Like it's the part, it's kind of like the runaway. Like that's, you know, it's not in our hands anymore. Right. (laughs) We're done. Yeah. Uh, or better or worse. Um, So yeah, because uh, the evangelists say that that will solve all the world's problem, and the other says that yeah, or it's just gonna do whatever the hell it wants, and we are, are not. They won't give us a second thought. Right. I mean, maybe we are the world's problem. So maybe <laughs> the the robots like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can fix it real quick. Anyway, uh, I feel like that's kind of light. Like, you know, you know, maybe Tesla will fix. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. I I don't know. It just feels like he took that. You know, this big like idea and kind of made made light of it and it- well i think the idea is like it, it's not it some people think like you can just like one person can like solve agi and just make it happen like as if we can just write a few lines of code and solve intelligence i i think it's gonna happen over time with well, a lot of smaller incremental implementation of uh, art, uh artificial intelligence like the Tesla self-driving vehicle, like the Tesla bot. So Elon sees it like probably Elon is starting to see, even though he's been wrong a thousand times about that. And there was a very funny video about that. I came out this week about when he can solve computer vision for self-driving. But yeah, he feels like he's probably very close to it. So it's like, all right, if I'm very close to solving that, maybe, and we, if we get very close to solving just, uh, intelligence artificial for for a humanoid robot, then we we can tr- we can um, transport that we can translate that into uh, AGI. So I don't know. That's probably how I, I see the the project right now. But uh, yeah, I mean it uh, it generated a lot of headlines about uh, the end of the world and 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 whatnot. I mean, in response to his comments, one of the tweets said. Uh, uh, bring now the scenario that oh they're so glad that Tesla is doing that because Tesla is a responsible company and they will do it the right way and not bring out the end of the world uh, or summoning the demon like Elon Elon likes to say about AGI and Elon responded that we'll do our best <laughs> which is <laughs> oh that's reassuring thank you Elon uh, but then he said decentralized control of robots will be critical 
So this is to avoid some kind of um, Terminator-like scenario where um, artificial intelligence just takes over and and, and control all the robots and the robots uh, turn against, well, the the AI used the robot to turn against the humans. Uh, I remember even, uh, I don't know if it was a SpaceX or Tesla, but they have like, they named their server rooms and they had one server rooms that was called Skynet, which is of course the the company that develops the AI in the in the, in Terminator. Hmm. I think I think Elon said that they they changed the name of the room, like just because they thought it was too on the nose. <laughs> right at at one point it was funny, and then they were like, "Yeah, this is yeah. not this is not funny anymore." Yeah, when they started getting too much into AI, they were like, "Oh, maybe don't <laughs> don't push it like that." Because I remember, like Elon was behind OpenAI. Was OpenAI was nonprofit whose mission was to do AI research in order uh, to ensure or to help. Uh, ensuring that uh, AGI would would help humanity and not uh, enders it. So, but you had to quit OpenAI in 2018, and apparently it was because there was some potential conflict of interest in OpenAI's role in developing inter- artificial intelligence and Tesla's role in developing AI. So, that's an interesting point. Okay. All right. Now into back into the narrow AI implementation. Uh, Tesla started rolling out 10.9, a full subject having beta 10.9 this week. And also they announced the rollout of uh, FSD beta in Canada within two to four weeks. Perfect timing, February. Well, I mean, Elon said two to four weeks. (laughs) Right. uh, I would be be pleasantly surprised if uh, it shows up in Canada while there's still snow. Um, but I, I, I never know. But my my, uh, my main concern is that Tesla hasn't released a safety test score in Canada yet. So I would assume that that would have to come before uh, the FSD rollout, right? So so maybe yeah, in, two to four, in two to four weeks, Tesla launched the safety test score, uh, and then people do their test score for a few weeks, and then Tesla starts doing the rollout, starting with the ninety nine or ninety eight or, or whatever they decide to do. So something to keep in mind. But as for ten point nine, um, the the release notes they don't go into uh, they're not they're not as uh, it's not as big of a change uh, than the last one. The last one were like they were pretty wild with the oh it's a 15, 20, 40 percent improvement in in whatever metrics. Uh, this time we we're getting the four point two, one point seven, one point one. So it's looked like a very much more incremental improvement. But you can read the release notes. We posted them on the website right now, and it's uh it's more for uh, uh people that are familiar with neural nets and computer vision and, and stuff like that. But there's some improvement in terms of uh, how they handle the intersection and the right of ways and uh, how they uh, approach them. Um, oncoming traffic when you have to cross lane with uh, protected left turns which is one of the toughest thing you can do uh, both for a self-driving system or a human driver obviously uh, but yeah uh, something to 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 keep an eye on and uh, of course we'll see in Canada what it looks like but like you said the timing I mean right now a lot of human drivers are having issue driving in Canada so putting this yeah. self-driving and i mean i've been using it for the last i mean i'm not in canada anymore but uh i've used it a lot in december in driving from my condo to to, to a property that i bought uh, and i'm mostly highways most and i love autopilot for that but in the winter it's obviously not as useful i often have i often get like oh you have this camera this camera that's being obstructed by some debris or something and then 
I have to stop somewhere and wipe the the the, the smug the snow whatever is on there uh, to get it a clear view. So it's it, I, I just don't see it being as useful in the winter, and I don't I don't see that much of a, a solution for that unless you have this kind of laser that just beams out all the debris off of uh, your cameras. Good news here, I'm up to ninety five. Oh, getting close, so, getting close. Yeah, and uh, all my bad days are behind me. So <laughs> last last couple of weeks have been pretty solid. Uh, I might 90, have FSD. People are uh, ninety seven. I think now they are delivering to people. Are they? I thought it was yeah. still 98. Uh, um, maybe you're right. But uh, even then, I think there's some, uh, like, if you get there, do, do you just, I mean, let's say you get tomorrow, you get to 98. Do you really, like, just get the software right away? I think this, there's some issues with that. All right. Next one, uh, Mole X Plaid. So, um, Mole X Plaid hasn't, getting, hasn't been getting as much love, of course, because uh, it was announced at the same time as the Mole S Plaid. And Mole S Plaid was like, oh, fastest production car in the world and it got delivered a lot sooner. Uh, Tesla also delivered the the long range Model X, before, the refresh version, before delivering the Plaid. So it kind of went under the radar a little bit. But this this is the f- quickest accelerating SUV on the market right now, and uh, it has all the cool features that you have in the refresh Model S. It has a in in the Plaid version, you get the tri motor, so you, you get the same powertrain. It's just a little bit slower because it's an SUV format. But uh, they started deliveries now, and there's the first few reviews coming out. And including this one here from uh, Vehicle Virgin that gives you a cool uh, POV from inside the inside the vehicle while driving, and I, I gotta say, I mean, it looks. Lit. I cool. still think I still think it's the dumb at low speed, and it's more dangerous if you lose control or anything like that. The the yoke steering wheel, but I have to admit, it looks cool. Like this this POV looks awesome. Of like just driving around. Of course, they are like looks like in California. Kind of the Malibu Hills or something like that, so it's a beautiful area to drive. But it, it looks, but look, this this looks dumb. Like the, <laughs> it's right. like, that. like the at low speeds, it's a it's a it's dumb. Well, when so they have the steer by wire and you don't have to go all the way around like three times. Like, yeah, that I, I thought for sure. I was telling people when, when when the prototypes were showing the yoke, I'm like, Tesla is just too smart about steering. Like they have great handling in their cars. There's no way they're gonna deliver that without having a steer by wire. So we knew that they were developing one from the, all the patterns that came out and everything. But they proved me wrong when they decided to deliver it without it. And Elon even said that oh, it's a few years away until they have uh, progressive steering with steer by wire. So. Until then, you, you have that, and people. Oh, most people that are driving it for a while, they say they're okay with it. I still think that they should offer the option. It's not that hard to offer the option. What do you Especially think about the with, horn being a button? Yeah, that, that's that's my main concern. It's like it's you're you're making people having to go through two things. You're making people having to okay to live with the shape of the wheel, which again is not ideal at low speed. And you have to remove all the stock, which is, I think it's a bigger issue for most people. Like they're used right. to for like even the, I mean, the horn, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't use my horn that often. But the the, the turn signals, like that's, everyone is used to using stocks for that. So using right. buttons is not ideal. So I don't know. It's uh, it's two big things for people to get over. So I think just offer a regular steering wheel at the same time and you'd be fine. But no, it's it's not in the, it's not in the cards for Tesla. So these guys, they also did a, a launch test for the zero to sixty because again, this is the supposedly the quickest 
accelerating SUV on the market. So they did the uh, little, this is the launch mode version, the plaid launch mode that you see here. Uh, and they used a the V-Box from Race Logic. So they, they actually have some decent, uh, there was it, uh, was there a little bit of downhill there? Then I'm looking at it. It's hard to tell. Oh boy, I think so, right? Uh, yeah, with the wide angle camera, it's hard to tell though. Hmm. What's what's uh, you know almost con- convenient? Like you think you need a lot of space to do a zero to yeah. sixty, but when the zero to sixty is yeah. taking like two seconds, it's really it's like yeah. almost instantly going. Especially on the side of a hill like that, <laughs> right? You don't want to miss a turn. Uh, but apparently, other people are also getting the Mall X and getting similar result here. So they they got a two point three second, which is faster than Tesla's advertised two point five second. And yes, it uh, reiterates the fact that it's the quickest accelerating SUV in the world right now. Uh, so good, uh, good for Tesla on that. And uh, yeah, I mean it's not a cheap uh, vehicle, though one hundred and twenty six thousand dollars. And also, you are limited in the uh, the uh, seat option that you can get. I think you can just get the Only six, six. Yeah, yeah, the six seat version, which is the one that you have two like captain like seat in the second row, which is which is a nice one, of course. But. Yeah, that's we had that and we enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm surprised they still haven't done any armrests though on those chairs in, in the back. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense because that would truly make them a captain seat. Uh, now it's just like a really nice seat, just not without armrests. But my kids, when they were back there, would. You know, try to go to sleep on trips, and they would just fall right off the side. <laughs> yeah. All right, we have one more news item, and then we're going to discuss your comments and questions. So please put them in the comment section right now. We're going to get to it in a second. But this was actually our biggest post of the week, and, and for good reason, because it is it is quite awesome. And it's something that we've been talking about for a long time now, and it's finally happening. Uh, so it's uh, we call it an electric stream for electric vehicles but truly it's not just for electric vehicles this thing is also useful if you're pulling it with a, a gas powered car but it's it, it's man electric vehicles because if you pull it with electric vehicles you normally you would have some significant uh, range issues but uh, this actually helps uh, achieve a, a greater range uh, they are aiming for th- uh, I'm, I'm talking about the the actual airstream here which if not familiar they make uh, caravans so that the caravan has a battery pack at the bottom and an electric motor behind the wheels uh, which contribute to the range of the vehicle instead of uh, arming it. And they're aiming for 300 miles of range with it. Uh, it, it has some other features too that makes it useful, uh, having, a, um, having a powertrain. Look at this here. This is video is pretty cool. So you can, actually, yeah, you can actually have it move around with a remote control. Uh, and everyone that has ever parked a caravan know that how useful that can be because it can be like you see it being pulled by a Model X. So, of course, this is being advertised for electric vehicle but truly here you see this is the battery pack platform and uh, the the motor system on the axle that uh, helps uh, contribute to the range um, and also it helps power the, the the vehicle when it's when it stops so you don't have to use like a propane tank or anything like that it's awesome truly awesome it's a product we've been waiting for for a long time and uh, now it's Coming here, it's not here just yet. Uh, they haven't announced pricing too on it. You can expect quite the high price on it because, of course, you have a giant battery pack in it. Look at this. This is really awesome. So you just you arrive at the site, you just uh, unhook it, and then you can back it up exactly at the position that you want uh, using a J1772 charger to charge it. They have a bunch of the partner with Amazon to have a bunch of Alexa features in it. That's not a big deal. Like in, if you want that, you can have that in any... <laughs> Right, any trailer you just have to have an echo speaker. 
But yeah, I mean, this, this is awesome. But Airstream already makes premium RVs, premium caravans. So you can expect a high price on any kind of uh, Airstream, which is now owned by, by Tor. And when this one comes out, I would expect uh, the E-Stream. It's called the E-Stream concept. I think Rush and uh, ZF are behind the powertrain system in it. And the concept, they even like put a little uh, window on the ground floor so that you can see the powertrain system below. What do you think the price is going to be? Six figures? Oh, I'm not sure. Let, let me just look, first of all, on the uh, Airstream uh, price to start with because uh, I'm not familiar with them. I know they're expensive, but... Yeah, they're high-end. The Classic starts at $179,000. <laughs> Classic version, but this, but uh, um, th- I think the classic is a is a big one though. Oh yeah, the classic is huge. They never uh, that that one that they were showing. It was much smaller. It's probably the ca- uh, Caraval version or uh, the Bembi. So yeah, they are, they have the cheaper one. The Bembi started fifty six thousand. That's a uh, sixteen to twenty two feet. Um, the Caraval is seventy thousand, sixteen twenty two feet. You have uh, the Flying Cloud twenty three to thirty. So that's a like the mid range version. Uh, that's uh, eighty nine thousand dollars. So the, uh, w- there was only one axle, right? Yeah. The, so that's probably the sixteen to Bambi. twenty two. Yeah, Bambi or Caraval, which is seventy. So so yeah, yeah it's going to Car- be a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yep, for sure. I mean, if you have a Model X, the Model X uh, starts at a hundred thousand dollars. So, <laughs> and I right. see I see people pulling that. They're probably going to have to be pulling it with a something like a Model X or or F one fifty Lightning. Which, if you want the long range version, that starts at like seventy four thousand dollars. So, it's uh, it's not gonna be cheap. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. But it looks awesome. Yeah, and the batteries just make so much sense there. Like it's mm-hmm. uh, like but they did a little like the batteries make sense. You could charge, you know, whatever. That's cool. But the fact that they made it with a motor that can actually you know power mm-hmm. the the thing, that's just super cool. They have solar on top too. Like yeah, I noticed home. that as well. That was smart. Didn't talk about it too much, but uh, yeah, it makes a it makes a difference. Especially you could have deployable solar too, and you and you stop for a while, yeah. roll it out. Because then, for the most part, unless you're really like uh, traveling, like no, no, normally you you stop for somewhere for a few days to enjoy the place and everything, so you can literally just deploy your solar and charge for a few days. You get a full a full charge, and now they aim for three hundred miles of range on that thing, so. If your car has 300 miles of range, this has 300 miles of range, you you can cover a good distance in, in one day. You can also, it also would be easier to charge, to stop at a supercharger, for example. You can just, uh, you can just unhook it, go go plug your, your Model X at a supercharger, and then back this thing up uh, at the, at the uh, a parking lot or something around the supercharger. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. Did they say how big the pack is? Uh, no, I looked. Uh, I didn't write the post, so um, but uh, I looked at it. I, I didn't see an actual. Uh, you just said 200 miles of range, but you, I mean, you can fit uh, this if this thing is 16 to 22 feet. Uh, you can you can fit quite the battery pack on that thing. Yeah, it kind of looked like a big pack in, in the uh, the video. Yeah, but uh, of course, the bigger is going to be, the more expensive it's going to be. Yeah, so basically, it's saying at highway speeds, it can move that shape 300 miles mm-hmm. but also with a car in front of it 
So yeah, but my understanding is it would kind of negate the right the the, the car the pull of the car. That's yeah, so probably like couple, probably like a hundred kilowatt, something like that, which is yeah, gonna I be mean, expensive. Yeah, and you you can be bigger than that too with with that sixteen feet. All right, well that's uh, that's this uh, for the news item this week. We can jump into the comments right now. Cool. All right. First question. We're going right into the stock market. Your opinion of stock movement when Berlin and Texas open? Additionally, you think stock split coming or additional liquidation to re- raise more capital for future expansion? Thoughts on that? Ah, uh, good question. Good question. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to speculate too much on the stock movement. I mean, this, the whole stock market that has been down severely in the last few weeks. So it's not. It, it's it's not just Tesla. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a big bump for like the start of production at Berlin and Texas. Uh, I think, I think it's more and more important to clo- keep a close eye to the the production ramp at those at those factory. And if Tesla start reaching like two thousand, three thousand, and five thousand vehicle a week uh, on one of those plants, then that's when I think Tesla is going to see a big bump in that, in stock price. Uh, as far as stock split. Uh, yes, but probably not until towards the end of the year if um, the stock goes back up to the, the twelve, the thirteen hundreds, and even the fifteen hundred dollars something like that. That would uh, that would make more sense. When was the last stock split? Now it was a uh, year it was and a, a five, half ago. Five way split. Yeah, it was a five to one, but it was like in two thousand nine, uh, two thousand twenty, two thousand nineteen. I think two thousand nineteen. I think. Uh, yeah, sounds right. All right. Uh, next question. When do you think the new Tesla batteries will be coming out on Model Ys in Berlin? Sounds like a hmm. European question here. And when can we expect FSD monthly subscription in Europe? Thanks. I mean, you don't want the FSD monthly subscription in Europe until you can actually use the more out of the FSD package. So I don't think you can see that until Tesla expands. Um, so it's going to be depending on regulatory approval there. We know that this has had issue with the pilot regulatory approval in Europe. So I think FSD is also going to be an issue. Um, now they're just now about to expand to Canada, which is a lot easier market to adapt than Europe, uh, coming from the US, I mean, and the rules of the road are much more similar. So uh, you'd be lucky to have. FSD expansion and FSD monthly subscription by the end of the year, I think in Europe, that would be the hopeful target, I think. Uh, next year is much more likely. As far as Tesla batteries coming out of the mall, uh, being used in the Model Y, I, I assume, in, in Berlin, apparently it is behind Texas on that front. Like uh, it could maybe not use the 4680 uh, right away, but. Um, they, they, they kind of would want to wait for local production of that because, of course, it's it's uh, more difficult to ship those batteries from the production that they have right now, which is aimed at uh, uh, in the U.S. But um, I, I think Tesla's they were betting big on this, so that they're, they they see an advantage of doing that as soon as possible. So um, if it's not early in the production, I think it's going to be by the end of the year too. That makes sense. All right, this is more of a rhetorical question. Steve Keller says, when will I be able to drive my Cybertruck to Alaska from Minnesota? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how early are you. Well, I mean, to be honest, I don't think it even matters how early you are in the reservation right. uh, list at this point. So, I mean, let's say you're the first one to get it in Minnesota. Um, 
I think probably towards the uh, mid-year next year. I think that would make sense. Mid-2023. If you're, again, if you're among, among you're going to be among the first to get in, in, in Minnesota, I, I would say. Uh, and uh, is he, like, is he saying to Alaska, like, as if uh, for uh, the charging network? I think there's some gaps in the supercharger network to get to Alaska right now in, in well, British Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, you would probably have to make some arrangements uh, yeah. somewhere in the uh but I think I think Tesla has plans to do that though if uh, if I can pull up uh, Tesla uh, supercharger map oh not not really not, they I thought they had one in Alaska already I didn't see that one there yeah oh yeah well we're gonna see it better with this here so I remove the stores the service center the collision the destination uh yeah. no right now it's there's still a giant gap well Alaska technically is right there like right across from where it says British Columbia. So, you uh, okay, almost, yeah, here you mean? Yeah, you But the almost, road where where is the the main road to get there though? I don't know, you could almost leave from that top one and make it right close to Alaska on a technicality. And then there's one supercharger in uh yeah, but it's not Anchorage. it doesn't help you get you to Anchorage. No. Like, I think it's more like about Getting you between Anchorage and maybe like Kodak, uh, Kodiak Allen or something like that. Yeah. Not that you can drive on the Gulf of Alaska, but uh, I assume they have ferries or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, Frank Rudy says, thank you for making these podcasts. What are your thoughts on Tesla's solar roof? Good idea. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great product. I think uh, I think a lot of the customers went into early adoption uh, issues. I think Tesla is working through those uh, quite well at this point. Uh, it is a good solution, but not for everyone. You need it's not cheap, but it's not crazy expensive if you take into account that it's a roof and it's a solar production device. So if you take those two to account, if you need a new roof or if you're building a new house and you need a roof of that house, then yes, it might be a good product for you. Uh, but you, you need to take into account the energy production and the cost of replacement of the of the roof. So when those uh, and also it's it's more comparable to a premium roof. So if you're just looking to do like a, a shingle asphalt shingle roof, uh, if that was your what you were budgeting for, and then uh, no, you you might be better off with that plus uh, plus uh, regular solar panels. Um, there's a gaff that's been held with their own solar shingle thing that looks closer to a regular uh, asphalt shingle uh, type of uh, a product. Uh, but that's also, they say, like, that's the price comparable to that. So if you want that, go, go with that. But then they say, so the, the only advantage of that versus regular shingle, uh, asphalt shingles and uh, solar panels on it, it, it's about the same price. So they said that the advantage is the look of it. But if you ask me personally, I think, <laughs> I think regular solar, uh, regular shingles plus the solar panels look better than, than their solution. But that uh, that's up to your aesthetics. It depends. Uh, so, yeah, I think so. other than that, it's a, it's, a, it's a great product. It's been great for the, the winter. You've seen a, like a, because you have basically have a glass roof uh, that is generating a tiny bit of heat with the solar panel. Uh, it sheds the snow super well. Uh, so that's something really cool because... 
I'm looking at my house right now in Quebec and there's like three feet of snow on the house and it's making me nervous. <laughs> so so uh, this, this literally doesn't stick. Like if you have a, a good snowfall, of course, it's, uh, it will add up. But since, since it creates a tiny film of, of uh, water on top of it, it will, it will shed over time. So it doesn't accumulate for a long period of time. Now I have like the equivalent of the last three snowfalls on top of my roof. It, it doesn't happen with solar roofs. So that's cool. And yeah, so it, it, if you're on the market for a premium roof, so that's probably mean the premium house. Like, so your house either doesn't need to be big, but it needs to be valuable because if you have like a small house that's worth two hundred thousand dollars and you put a hundred thousand dollar roof on it, it eh, doesn't make that much sense. But we know with the real estate prices these days, like uh, you know, there's a lot of places that have very small houses that are worth a million dollars. So then now putting a hundred thousand dollar roof on that, that it's not that big of a deal. So, yeah, it's something to take into account, but uh, I do like the product. I think it's a smart product, and it fills the market of you need solar, but you want to build a new house, or you're going to need a new roof in the next year or two. All right, uh, last question at the moment. Which company do you see as a leader of the pack, Rivian, Neo, or Frisk, which I think might have been Fisker? Which which company is the leader between those three? Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to go with Neo at this point, just because they are delivering most cars than anybody, uh, any of those trees, and they are, they are probably like closer to being a sustainable financial company at this point financially. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm more excited about Rivian, uh, just because of uh, what they can do for the U.S. market. Like electric pickup trucks are going to be huge for EV adoption in the U.S. and Canada. So that, I'm very excited about that. Fisker, um, uh, I cannot, I cannot care less until they uh, they deliver a good product and we can get our hands on it and confirm that because of uh, their history. Uh, so I'm going to reserve judgment on that front. But I'm not saying that they can, like, they're going to fail. I'm just saying that uh, I, I, right now I see them as more likely to fail than succeed. I just don't know. Like if if you're gonna if you're gonna bet on the company to deliver a twenty five thousand dollar car right now, is it gonna be Fisker? Because I know a lot of other companies are trying to do that and they're not able to, including Tesla, which is undoubtedly the leader in electrification right now. So right, yeah, but uh, we should note that uh, Fisker is basically outsourcing almost everything to Magna. Which, but even then, have, I'm saying, right. even then, could would they be able to to deliver that twenty five thousand dollar car even right. with that? Uh, yeah, and we we have a uh, winter testing outing at Magna in northern uh, northern peninsula of Michigan next month. So that should be interesting. Oh, that's going to be a good test. Yeah. All right, that's all for today. All right, well, thank you very much for listening today, people. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a thumbs up. It's free to do, and the algorithm loves it, so we love it too. Uh, all healthy the <laughs> algorithm uh, but uh yeah if you also like the, the, yeah <laughs> yeah i'm putting my chips in the ai already <laughs> uh, uh, yeah anyway so if you enjoyed the show if you're listening on your podcast app you can give us a five-star review that also helps the show a lot and we read them we appreciate them when you you guys lose us kind of word there too and we're gonna see you same time same place next week bye-bye <laughs>